Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How do you know if your infant twins are on track for their physical development? If they were born prematurely, how does it affect their developmental timeline? And how can you help them develop their skills? I'm Wendy McKenna, doctor of physical therapy and founder of Move, Play, Grow. I'm here to talk about twin developmental milestones, movement, and physical activity. This is Twin Talks. The ultrasound shows your babies to be healthy. What? Did you say babies? You're huge. Are you having twins? Are they natural? Which one do you like better? Twins, huh? My neighbor's cousin's brother's uncle's a twin. So can they read each other's minds? How do you tell them apart? Twins? You got a two for one. Do twins run in your family? Double trouble. You're not having any more, are you? At least you're not Octomom. If you're pregnant with twins or you're an experienced twin parent, odds are you've heard it all before. Now it's time to hear from the experts. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. Welcome to Twin Talks, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Twin Talks is your weekly online on-the-go support group for expecting and new parents of twins. I'm your host, Christine Stewart-Fitzgerald. Have you heard about the Twin Talks Club? Our members get bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. Subscribe to our monthly Twin Talks newsletter and learn about the latest episodes available. Another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free Twin Talks app, available in the Android and iTunes Marketplace. Well, before we get started, uh, let's introduce um, our panelists in the room. I've got um, twin girls who are now five as of last week. Um, they're identical and uh, just started kindergarten, which is a big thing. <laughs> um, and then I also have um, a singleton um, who will be two next month. And if I can say, um, as we were just talking earlier, our um, expert here, Wendy, our youngest, have the same birthday, same birthday very yep. same birthday. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. <laughs> it's always fun. <laughs> yeah. And Sunny. All right. So I'm Sunny, and I'm the owner of New Mommy Media, which produces Twin Talks, as well as Parent Savers, The Boob Group, and Preggy pals. Uh, I have four children. I have a four-year-old and two-year-old boy. uh, Boys, I guess I should say. And then my girls are identical twins, and they are about 10 months old. And this is really relevant to us because they're just now starting to really move and shake. And, you know, they're crawling, and uh, we're on the verge of walking. So this is all good (laughs) for me. (laughs) I'm Shelly. I'm the producer here at Twin Talks. Um, I have identical twin boys who just turned two in July. And then I have a singleton girl who's just three weeks. She's the one you heard a few minutes ago. (laughs) Um, Before we get started, I wanted to let you guys know about our virtual panelist program. So you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at home. But if you want to become a part of the conversation, you can use the hashtag TwinTalksVP to answer and ask questions on your own. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. PG. 
before we get started with today's show, we're looking to the headlines for news about twins. Um, a recent article published at Slate.com talks about why identical twins aren't really identical. So as I'm sure all moms of identical twins can attest, your kids are very different, in fact. And it turns out there might be a scientific reason for that. So biologists are realizing that um, the idea of nature versus nurture is missing the importance of noise. And that's not the noise coming from your toddlers. <laughs> um, it's the noise coming from your biological environment. So it seems that even identical twins brought up in similar environments aren't really identical. They don't have the same fingerprints. They have different freckles and moles. And then intelligence and even mental illness can vary between identical twins. Um, so this new research is pointing out to tiny differences in their developmental environments. So that's position in the uterus all the way up to preschool teachers to junior prom dates, according to the article. <laughs> um, in addition, there's this third factor that biologists overlooked until the past few decades, and that's called random noise. Every process in cells is, to quote the article, inherently inescapably noisy. So what that means is that when the molecules move around, they're doing so randomly, and cellular processes that require certain molecules to be in the right place at the right time are depending on how these molecules move around. So it's a little scientifically heavy for me, but it seems like what's happening inside the cells, even though the cells are genetically identical in the exact same environment, the cells themselves are behaving differently. And that causes these twins to develop differently and in fact not be identical after all. Now, I thought I read something at one point that, like, regarding your genes, some things are turned on, some things are turned off. Have you guys heard this about it's all kind of there, but yeah. it just kind of depends on what triggers turning yeah. something on? Is that kind of like so part they know, of, kind of well, what Well, so they saying? know that environmental factors, different stuff. So different experiences turn on different things. So, okay. like, if you have twins... And, and one of them seems more social and you put that twin in more social activities, their, their brain forms new pathways that gets reinforced for being social. Um, and so you're kind of, you're kind of creating a personality in fact for your kids by reinforcing the things that they like and dislike and those experiences kind of shape that. But this is saying it's, it's deeper, it's on a cellular level. So within their own body, it's kind of doing the same thing. Their cells are bumping around and creating new pathways. And I, th now I think I'd heard on like a, a chemical level, when we look at the DNA and you look at the, the chemicals that make up the DNA so that so they, the identicals have the same exact DNA. But then I think what I'm understanding is that this this noise or the stuff that's going on can somehow maybe, um, I don't know, say exacerbate or make some of those qualities and some of those chemicals more prominent than the other ones. Mm -hmm. So even though the sequence is exactly the same, uh -huh. that somehow it's it's in some cases some is uh, some of those chemicals are stronger and than the other ones. Even though this happens on a cellular level, I still feel like this is environmental. <laughs> no, I do because yeah. it's the environment that's impacting it. Like I know it's happening on right. a cell level, right? Yeah. So there's an argument to be made, but yeah. still, I still feel like this is environmental. Yeah, so what the article saying is that, again, we're, none of us here are scientists, <laughs> but it's saying that it, it appears to be random noise, mm -hmm. um, and so it's not, it's, they, they don't really understand fully what's causing the different moving around and bumping around of it. It's just kind of the way that they move. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, I'm definitely interested to see more research about it, because I know, I mean, my boys are, like I said, it's fascinating that they have different fingerprints and they're developing different moles. Um 
or freckles, which helps other people tell them apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Birthmarks. But it, it's, um, to me, it's fascinating to see the way that they speak differently and act differently and talk differently. And I, I'd love to just see more about what exactly is causing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have to agree. I, I, I'm fascinated, too, because I know my girl, their personalities are so different. And now that we've put them into school, it seems like, wow, it's really, I mean, visible. I mean, one girl is very just compliant, like, okay. And the other girl <laughs> is just like, why? No. There's I a mean, yin and a really yay. resistant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why? <laughs> I, I can start to see some stuff in my 10-month-old. But then, like, the, the moment I start to say, oh, this one's this and this one's that, then they flip-flop on me. Um, but one thing that I found, and this kind of goes along with the fingerprint thing, because we talked about in a previous mm-hmm. episode that it was the amniotic fluid that actually can change baby's fingerprint. So they may be technically initially kind of formed with the stuff, but it's the amniotic fluid mm-hmm. that changes that. Okay, so my twin B, who was born, you know, obviously after twin A, um, you know, like the little part in your hair yeah, that the, like the little the swirl, the yeah. swirl. Uh huh. Twin B has two of them. What? Yeah, yeah, I've never seen this. I just went to see the pediatrician a couple of days ago. He's never seen it. Oh my god! And twin Crazy. twin A just has one, and twin B has two, which is creating like a little spiky effect <laughs> right now. And I'm like, what oh, is? Oh, She'll be the one you'll have to put in pigtails. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, that just goes to show you. Just one more thing that's like, oh. Now, was, yeah. was your was your twin B? I mean, was she positioned? You know, differently. I have a feeling. Yeah. Well, her head was shaped a little. I mean, I had a C-section, but. Um, both of my twins had kind of misshapen heads, which I guess is, could be common yeah. for twins. You know, we had to go see um, a doctor just to make sure they didn't need any of those helmets. Or mm-hmm. I think they were classified with having plagiocephaly, but um, but didn't need any major treatment or anything like that. So maybe that did have something to do with it. I mean, she was just kind of up there somewhere tucked in, you know. Obviously not extremely comfortable because, you know, they were they came early because of the water breaking. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe that had something to do with it. Interesting, right? So, yeah, <laughs> definitely not completely identical anymore. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, uh, today's topic is developmental milestones, movement, and physical activity, and we're talking with Wendy McKenna, who's here to talk about physical development milestones and how we can help our twins improve their skills. Well, thanks for joining us, Wendy. Thanks for having me. Well, um, first of all, I mean, are there any differences in developmental milestones between um, twins versus singletons? There shouldn't be. Okay. And actually, the research does show that there is no difference between a singleton or twins as long as they're born full, healthy, term, and no another, no other issues that would affect development. Um, the other thing that research shows is if you look at siblings, many siblings do not develop along the exact same timeline, but identical twins are the most closely related in their development developmental milestones with non-twin siblings be the most um, being the most different mm-hmm. um, but in general when you're looking across the board there really should be no difference uh, between a, a singleton and twins or multiples so when we look at the different charts essentially twins should be the same but we shouldn't expect 
the twins to necessarily be on the same schedule exactly? They're not going to be on the same schedule exactly. But when you when you look at development, all kids are going to be a little bit on their own timelines, um, depending on their personalities and their body makeup and, you know, just how they were positioned in utero, whether they were movers more, or whether they were more quiet, you know, every baby is a little bit different. And so that's why when you look at developmental milestones and those charts, there's always a little wiggle room of like, you're going to be getting this a little bit earlier, this one's going to be getting it a little later. But really, um, you, you should not see a difference between singletons and twins. When mm-hmm. you look at those charts, they um, affect everyone the same way. So, mm-hmm. Now, for the twins who were born prematurely, um, how does that affect their development later on? Okay, so full, full term is 40 weeks of gestation. Mm-hmm. And before, plus or minus two weeks, we really don't do anything to change or alter um, any developmental milestone timeline. Um, at the 37-week mark, when I see a baby in therapy or when I see them in one of my classes, I will just kind of take note mentally that they may be a little bit, you know, slower in developing some of the skills, but it's not really official in their chart in terms of doing an adjustment until they're four weeks and uh, different. So if they're a 36 weeker or below, mm-hmm. then you will adjust their age by the number of weeks that they are under 40. So at 36 weeks, you are four weeks delayed. And you will um, look at the milestone charts through their second birthday um, to to make up for that time. Wow. You know, I, didn't, I guess I didn't realize that that age adjustment goes all the way up through two, year, it two can. years of age. It can. Okay. Sometimes they catch okay. up beforehand, but absolutely you give them at least until two to catch up. And, and so, yeah, you shouldn't have any real red flags if they're only lagging behind that amount of time. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that's interesting because uh, my boys were born at 37 weeks and that's was considered term. Um, they were I had cholestasis, so they had to be born early. And um, a lot of people were like, well, 37 weeks, that's full term. But my pediatrician always kind of made note of it like, well, you know, they were a little early. And so um, it was kind of reassuring when there was a couple times that they weren't like right on track that she always reminded me they were three weeks early. So it's normal for them to have been a little bit behind. And I found that I think it's really great when people do consider, you know, that there's that kind of gray area a lot of times where they weren't premature, but they they also weren't full term babies. Right. And obviously it's a scale because, you know, at four, if you're born at 36 weeks, all of a sudden you get a four week adjustment. But if you're born at 37 weeks, you get no adjustment Mm. in in terms of, you know, the, the, the medical records. But really, you, you really have to give yourself and your baby that that extra few weeks. So that, no, that, that's a great point, because I, I know in a lot of the different twin communities, I mean, it's sort of 37 is the, the magical number. And then later on down the road, it's like, well, you know, they seem to be slow in, in you know, w- whatever movement. Um, and there's there's concern. And I guess we, we forget that those few weeks difference yeah (laughs) they do make a big difference wow well um can you give us um an overview of the the basic physical movements and timing that that babies should be able to achieve um in the first year yeah so just kind of looking over um in terms of of grasping a baby is born with a grasp reflex so if you put something in the palm of their hand they're going to curl your fingers their fingers around it and you Um, they really have no knowledge of something being in their hand at that point Um, they don't hold it purposefully they don't attend to it with their eyes it's a reflex and um, and so as baby 
grows, that reflex becomes more purposeful. So by about two months, even though they're not truly grasping something yet, again, if you put something in their hand, they're going to hold it a little bit longer. Um, they may bring it to their mouth uh, by about two months, two to three months, but they're not going to have control in releasing it. So they're not going to purposely drop it. It's going to fall out of their hand as their hand opens a little bit more. And then as babies get older and older, you're going to find that their hand is open more often than it is closed. And when a baby's hand is closed and fisted when they're younger, it should never be a tight fist that you can't open. That's a red flag. Um, so you want your hand, your, their hands to be nice and loose, but they will be... Um, gradually opening more and more and more as they get older. A true grasp, reach and grasp, when they look at an object, they reach for it, and they grab it on their own happens around four months of age. And usually at that point, it is a very symmetrical grasp where they are going to reach, if they're on their back, say, they're going to reach up with both of their hands at the same time, grasp it and hold it purposefully. And then Again, the grasp and hold comes before the release. The release on purpose happens a little bit later on, so five, six months. And, um, and then even later on down the road when we get into container play around the 9, 10, 11 month, 12 month area, and container play is one of the best things. We'll talk about that later. But um, you know, really purposely picking things up and dropping them, picking them up and dropping them. Babies at, at five months of age start with that controlled release by switching from hand to hand. So an object would be held in the right hand, they would bring it over to the left hand, the left hand would close around it, and then the right hand would open away. And so that transfer from object object, object hand to hand is a really important skill that babies do get um, at that age. By six months, they're reaching for and holding and banging an object on something or shaking it in the air. And then by about nine months, that's when they start banging it together and start clapping their hands a little bit more. So that's that's kind of the grasp um, and what we're looking for. In terms of a true pincer grasp, because I know a lot of parents are looking at the pincer grasp. Right. And, and, we read and, that. Yeah. Like, okay, okay yeah. they're not putting their fingers together. Right, yeah. right. So, so that is also on a continuum. And, you know, having your baby pick up smaller and smaller objects as they get older, especially, you know, little food items that you don't mind them putting in their mouths. Um, and really, finger feeding should happen around when baby's starting to crawl. And so, um, again, that first pincer grasp is going to be with the um, the fingers against the palm of the hand. And that's that's a radial palmer grasp. Then when they get to a, tr a, a more of a lateral pincer, it's the um, the index finger against the lateral side, sorry, the thumb against the lateral side of the index finger. Then finally at 12 months, that's when you're looking at between the, th the tip of the index finger and the tip of the thumb. That's when the true pincer grasp comes in. So it's really about a year old when they're getting that. Mm -hmm. Um, when we're looking at hand coordination, again, early on, it's very random movements. Um, by the time they're three months, um, actually even, I, w one of my favorite things about the, the hand movements is around the two month age when nursing, I call it the wandering hand. And, ba <laughs> <laughs> and baby just starts having their hand a little bit more open and, and just starts wandering against mommy's chest and, and yeah. fingering the clothes a little bit more. And you can just see the, the joy and the feeling of, that that makes in a baby's you know hand and face because they're just learning about their world and their environment. Um, and so you're gonna babies are gonna be symmetrical at first. Their right hand is gonna be doing what their left hand is doing, and vice versa. And then as we um, 
as they get older, um, one hand is going to be doing one thing, one hand is going to be doing another. And so really we want to get from the symmetrical play into more reciprocal play. And the biggest reciprocal motor milestone would be crawling, mm-hmm. um, where babies can uh, are not bunny hopping. It's not the same time on each side, but actually one hand and one leg is doing the opposite thing at the opposite time. Mm-hmm. One is moving, one is weight bearing. And that and crawling really happens um, around nine months of age. Nine months, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, could be, it can come a little earlier, but you know that's that's the general, you know, if they're crawling by nine months, that's great. So, um, you know, it, but again, there's a there's a range. You know, babies can crawl as early as seven months. They can crawl as late as 11 months. You know, so really, you know, we're looking at you know, kind of an average out there. Mm-hmm. So, um, and how about like now for um, crawling and then for, for standing, does that um, usually happen in sequence as well? It really does. So if you think about, you know, again, looking at these checklists, it's not just about checking off or they're doing this, they're doing that. It's all a developmental sequence and it's all purposeful movement. And so when looking at the quality of the movement, babies move forward, backward first, then side to side, then they rotate in every position that they get themselves into. And that happens with head movement, with rolling, with getting up into sitting, with crawling, with getting up into standing. And so um, with, with the crawling and standing, babies are crawling to get somewhere. You know, they're not, they're not motivated. They're not crawling because it's supposed to happen. They're crawling to get somewhere and, and rolling from place to place doesn't, isn't as efficient anymore. They can get up on their hands and knees. They're like, Hey, this is cool. I'm up higher off the ground and I can go faster. And, and Hey, look, there's that little table over there. And there's something that might be kind of cool. I'm going to put my hands up there and kind of peek over the top. And then all of a sudden they're using 90% arms to literally pull to stand. So they are not using their legs very much. Their legs pretty much follow along (laughs) and they're really not that aware. They're much more aware of their hands because hands are in your visual field. It's what you play with. It's what you interact with. You know, the rest of us, I mean, we don't, we don't look at our legs. We don't really think about our legs. Our legs just take us from point A to point B. And unless there are problems with our legs or pain in our legs, we don't ever acknowledge them. Our hands are with us all the time. Mm-hmm. They u- are used to communicate. They're used to play. And so it's the same thing with the baby. Those hands and those arms are going to develop better and more sof- and more um, sophisticated than than the legs will. So again, that pull to stand is, um, is, is a pull. And then once babies are standing, it's a really wide base of support and they're pretty wobbly and again this is around that nine tenth month age and <laughs> they're just starting to to kind of figure it out so if you think about pulling to stand babies aren't standing then they get stuck because it's like how <laughs> how oh do gosh, i get back down again happens, yeah. okay so they, this it is, happens everywhere this is my twins exactly right now right ten and a half months and i guess they were a little bit late to crawl because they just really started but <laughs> i always get confused because they'll get themselves and they can pull themselves out to a standing position and usually it's at a table or maybe like they can grab onto the baby gates they like to do that too and kind of like you said wendy just kind of peer over and see what's going on on the other side and um but then they don't know how to get down i'm like but you just got yourself up right. and then it's like they're stuck <laughs> Right. And I'm like, have to like bring them down. Sit them. Yeah. So so one of the ways that you can help your baby to get back down again, because again, they don't know about their legs very much. It's their heart. It's their hands and their arms that pulled them up and their hands and arms can't pull them back down again. They just are at the mercy of gravity. So a lot of times they just end up plopping down. So one of the ways that you can help them is by just placing your hands on their hips and grounding them into the floor a little bit more so that they feel their feet on the floor and they feel the floor pushing back up through their feet. And then just ever so gently ever so slightly just bring them backwards towards their heel and then 
they will drop down more slowly and you and you slowly help them get down to the ground. You can have them get down to your legs. It's a little bit more of an elevated surface, but you can help your baby kind of learn that, that so backwards down. Learn you how don't to use have their knees. To. You don't have to. I mean, they can de- they'll definitely do it on their own, but I know parents have you know called me many a time saying my baby is standing in the crib in the middle of the night screaming and they can't get down. Oh my god. I have to go in and get them down and they oh. just pull right back up again and they get stuck, they can't get down. And so and some babies <laughs> wow. figure it out. Some babies figure it out and some babies take a little bit longer to figure it out, but you know it really is about like feeling their legs for the first time and and then, you know, yeah, going up and down. So. You know, no, I have to say that adds um, a little bit of insight because, yeah, you know, you hear about the, the kids or the, the parents who say, yeah, my kids are just, you know, screaming in the middle of the night standing. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not a really awaking issue as much of like, I'm oh, my gosh, stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> or or they've done it before and they've let themselves fall and they can bonk their heads on the crib. And yeah. so they've you know, learned. They've learned. Yeah. 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 And they're like, I don't want to do that again. Uh, <laughs> well, we're going to we're going to take a break and we come back. We're going to talk about how you can help your your twosome in their development skills. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, welcome back. Today we're talking with Wendy McKenna about how you can help your twins develop their movement skills in the first year. So um, can you give us some ideas about activities that can help stimulate growth and development within the different age ranges? So maybe that was those first three months? Yep, absolutely. Well, the, the first three months are just so critical for baby because they are born into this world knowing nothing about it. And they are bombarded by sensory information from all of their senses, and they're just trying to take it in and really organize themselves and regulate themselves with all of that. So um, one thing that we know babies absolutely need all the time, but especially in those first three months, is touch. Mm. you got to hold your baby. you got to love your baby. you got to communicate with your baby. And then the other thing would be eye contact. And if you think about even later skills down the road when you're talking with someone, an older child or a spouse or a friend, you always make a stronger connection if you include touch with eye contact. Wow. And so if you just think about multimodal sensory information Mm -hmm. and calming and regulation, that touch with the eye contact is the best thing you can do. Um, So again, during that time, the first three months, you really want to make sure that through all of your activities that you are being sensitive um, to them and whether they're inviting you in, reading their cues as to when they've had enough, not overstimulating them. Oftentimes when babies start to cry, we bounce them a lot and it's like, whoa, we just need to calm everything down. We don't need to add more stimulation to that. Hmm. So so touch a low light room, soft humming, singing can really help that rather than, you know, what do you need? What do you need? Let's like try this. Let's try this. Let's try this way. You know, because then it's just the, it's just too much. Mm-hmm. And so, um, really being respectful of that, and then being respectful of yourself, just as a, a new mommy, a new parent, or a parent of the fourth, whatever it is, you're dealing with a, a baby who's got a unique personality and is a, a unique person, and it's about that connection that you're making with them. And so, um, in light of that, what we're looking for developmentally is symmetry. 
We want to make sure that baby is aligned correctly, that they don't have a preference for looking to one side or another. Babies should be able to turn their heads all the way, both directions from birth. Um, They don't really hold their heads in midline until about the three month age mark. But really, if you're working on eye gaze and eye tracking, Babies can hold your gaze and do a little bit of tracking from the beginning. And they get disorganized around midline, but really by that three-month mark, they should be able to go from full right our full right rotation through midline to full left rotation. And, and that's on their back and on their tummy. Hmm. Um, so when you're looking at those first three months with twins, <laughs> right? <Yep. laughs> um, touch is important and eye contact is important. So it sounds like having somebody to help would be really kind of critical in those I, first few months. I couldn't agree more. And I know, yeah. like, for example, sleep is always the biggest concern and all of the sleep specialist training will tell you when you're trying you know don't make eye contact because you're trying to get them to sleep mm-hmm. and you know just be really quick and not connecting so I think it's probably important to remember during daytime hours to kind of give as much even if you can't always hold both of your babies yes. what you're what I'm hearing you say is that if you can even just make eye contact with both of them acknowledge their presence separately that that might be absolutely something. but you can also have them look at each other you know, they've been together forever. So have them on the same play mat facing each other, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, have older siblings involved too. One of my favorite activities with a young baby is to lay down on the floor and read with them. And, you know, they can hear your voice, you know, you're right there next to them, everyone's calm, and, and everyone can participate. It's not something that you have to do with one or another, because, mm-hmm. you know, reading from, I think you can never start reading too early. It's reading when they're in utero, mm-hmm. they're going to recognize that book <laughs> yes. when they're out. So, um, so that's you know, great. And, and then it, you can also, I mean, having twins the advantage is you can also you know move their their placement so if you have them on the floor you can have one on the left side one on the right side and switch them out so just to ensure to help them you know be incentivized to look at their other their other twin and move around and then you can see are they able to you know move and make that eye contact absolutely and then just knowing if there is a preference that you want to find out what it is that they really like to look at and position them regularly throughout the day so that they are looking towards their non-preferred side probably about 75 percent of the time you don't want to ignore the preferred side but if they really are having a hard time turning the other direction um, that that you know lights windows um, fans their other sibling whatever it is that motivates them to turn the other way just keep working on it because mm-hmm. it really is that symmetry in the first three months um, mm-hmm. that you're looking for so how, how about the next kind of six to nine month phase so well the three to six the three to six month they're moving a little bit more now okay and it's fine once you get through that first three months I mean it's just a, such a great milestone and they are interacting with you more they are um, they're playing and there's there's reciprocity with all of the communication and so really you are still their best toy you're their best activity and just being with them um, waiting is one of the hardest things but when you want to communicate with your baby if you're talking to them you just sometimes just need to be quiet and watch Observing is so wonderful. Just it quiets everyone down Mm -hmm. and then baby's going to start initiating. And if you wait long enough, they'll start making sounds and then you can just imitate them (laughs) (laughs) and that's what's up because they're like yeah cool mom gets it (laughs) now that's a great point that i think you know as parents we're so oriented towards stimulating them and getting them to mimic us 
And so maybe we need to be more Slow quiet down. and let them initiate things on their own. Absolutely. And it's 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 really great because then you start mimicking them, then they'll do it back to you and it's a reciprocity that they've started. Whenever you're looking with at a baby, again, it's it's they they have individual likes and dislikes and when they gravitate towards something, think about entering their world rather than trying to bring them to your world. Mm -hmm. And then once you're in their world and you guys are going back and forth, you can help expand them. But again, you're going to be doing it respectfully and Mm -hmm. within their um, ability to tolerate all of that. Mm -hmm. So um, once they get older um, and moving around a bit more, then, you know, that's when you introduce the toys that move. You know, okay. don't introduce a ball before they can actually roll or crawl to go get it because it's the most frustrating thing in the world <laughs> wait, for, for wait. everyone. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so so the wobble toys beforehand, if they're really into the toys or the toys that aren't going to roll away are great. But once they start, you know, moving, rolling, shaking and getting from point A to point B, that's when you can get, you know, more of the mobile toys in. And then um, really my favorite um activities at that point is just just being with you being with siblings being with um the dog just having the interaction and and the toys there are um open-ended toys they're not toys that have a specific purpose because if a baby is introduced to a toy that has a specific purpose and they aren't able to do it they will be very frustrated and so if you give them blocks there's no preconceived notion as to why how do you play with a block you know oh that was successful that worked let's try this you know and so you know a lot of the milestones again they should be able to stick you know stack three blocks they should be able to stack five blocks you know who honestly I, I at some point say oh, who cares <laughs> I like <You> that <laughs> so so um so really letting the baby lead that um that play and joining them there and helping them expand it within their interests, you're going to get much deeper learning and um, just so much more fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now um, on, on, on a practical level, since, you know, we mentioned earlier that, that twins aren't always on the same schedule, what would you recommend if you've got, you know, one twin that is, let's just say, really great on starting to crawl and move around and the other one's maybe, you know, not quite so active. So how would you handle that as a as a twin parent? <laughs> no, I know. And, and, and first of all, take a deep breath <laughs> and, and really just, just acknowledge each one as their own individual person. And I think the best thing that you can do for a baby, no matter if you have one, two, three, four, is to have a safe room, a whole room, not just a spot, but a room. And babies develop best on the floor. So really just having baby on the floor in their spot. And if their spot ends up moving because they're a mover, that's fine. And they're going to be fine. If baby ends up being a little bit quieter in their movement, then that's also fine too. But again, the floor is the place where there's no restriction in movement. They're not contained in anything that's blocking them from looking this way or that, or moving their arm or leg this way or that, or pivoting or, you know, whatever it is that they want to do, they, they are free to move on the floor unlike a swing or an infant seat or anything else. And if you start with them as the position of choice being on the floor, they'll get used to it. And they won't need to have, literally, you do not need a swing. You do not need a car, uh, a um, an infant seat. You do not need a bumbo. Please don't get a bumbo. <laughs> <laughs> um, Johnny jump ups, you know, again, you don't need them. You don't need walkers. Um, push toys, push toys like a grocery cart or something that are incredible to introduce after baby is independently walking. Do not introduce it before because what it does is it teaches baby to lean on their hands while they're walking. And because that's what they're doing anyway. They're still Mm. learning about their legs like we talked about earlier. And so they really need to learn how to stand up on their own two feet without using their hands 
hands, then taking those first steps without their hands. Um, but then after they're independently walking, you can weigh that thing down. It's wibbly wobbly. It's like, you know, it's a good core workout. I mean, try to yeah. any day you take a grocery cart through the store. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Those wayward wheels, you know, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's a workout. So it's a great toy to, and, but the timing of that toy is, is an important one. So uh, definitely. Um, now, if, if parents think that their their kids are a little bit delayed or they're concerned, um, you know, then what type of professional help should they seek and, um, you know, and what should they look for in getting help? Right. So the first thing to do if there's ever any question um, uh, or concern is to discuss it with your pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that both um, babies should be on very similar timelines, if there's one that's significantly off, then that, that can be a red flag. Um, if there is one side of the body that is not working as well as the other side of the body, that's another red flag. So um, many times pediatricians will just say, oh, you know, let's wait and see. And a lot of times that's okay. But if that doesn't sufficiently answer the parents' questions or concerns, there are plenty of pediatric therapists out there. You have pediatric physical therapists, pediatric occupational therapists, and pediatric speech therapists. Um, you've got, lac- obviously, lactation consultants that can help with feeding. You also have occupational um, therapists um, and sometimes PTs and SLPs who are feeding experts. And, um, and so, you know, there's plenty of people in the therapy community that people don't know are really there unless they're referred to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the reasons why I started Move, Play, Grow was to get in there and to teach parents like this is what you can know and should know. And it's and empowering them with more knowledge about their child to be able to answer the questions that may not be answered in a short pediatrician wellness visit. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I should just, just point out too that um, I know um, like here in California, um, there's a great initiative um, called the, you know, the First Five mm-hmm. so that um, it's designed to provide free services for for children under the age of five so I know sometimes it's you know concerned about oh my gosh is this going to cost expensive therapy um, but you know California I think some other states as well do offer services yes. first um, five and, and then also regional centers for so twin moms to know they'll come to your house yeah so because that was a concern we had like a, a concern about nine months and my pediatrician said they're fine but there's no harm it's free they come to your house why not have them come out um and they will they'll make the appointment they'll show up at your house they'll do the evaluation they'll go over the results and you you don't ever have to leave or anything so um like you said some pediatricians will just say to wait it out but use your mom instincts and know that the resources in pretty much i mean every state has different resources but you you typically don't have to go take your kids anywhere at first and the evaluations are usually free so I know free and in your home are keywords for moms of two and and unlike a lot of states California actually has multiple um, agencies that do this so regional center is another one that you can self-refer you don't need your pediatrician to refer you to and they have a certain amount of time I think it's less than 45 days to have a team come out and evaluate you right or the baby yeah that's great to know well um, thanks so much to everyone who's joined us today and for more information about helping stimulate development for your twins or more information about any of our speakers and panelists visit the episode page on our website this conversation continues for members of our twin talks club and after the show wendy will talk about toys or gear that does inspire development and for more information about the twin talks club visit our website newmommymedia.com hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus 
Hey, Twin Talks, it's time for one of our favorite segments on the show. It's called We're Expecting What? And it's where you guys tell us some of your funny stories of when you found out you're pregnant with twins. And today we have something from Crystal. She says, I was about six weeks pregnant when I found out that I was pregnant. And at that time, I was told I was just having one baby. Well, about a month or so later, I was getting another sonogram. And the nurse said, well, I'm not an ultrasound tech, but I'm going to take a look anyways. And when she started looking, she was very very talkative, but shortly after she was pretty silent. I was worried and I asked her if something was wrong and she told me, well, I think there is two babies. It was the biggest shock to me since not too long before that, I was told there was only one. You know what, Crystal? I had a very, very similar experience. They did not catch it at my first appointment. And I even asked, I even said, just one? Just kind of like that because I had always wanted twins. I know, crazy person here. Um, but I'd always wanted twins. So I asked my doctor and she said, no, just one. And then it wasn't until I went back for um, my first trimester screenings. And of course, my husband wasn't there. Nobody was there. I thought it was this routine thing. And the sonographer very casually just looks at me and she's like, oh, twins. I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. So Crystal, I totally get it. All right. If you guys have a funny twin story that you want to share with us about how you found out that you were pregnant, we would love to hear it. You can send us an email or call our voicemail at 619-866-4775. Well, that wraps up our show for today, and we appreciate you listening to Twin Talks. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies, and Parent Savers, your parenting resource on the go. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.